Hello and good evening and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio Live. It is Monday evening. You are live with us. We're taking you through to 8.30 with The Late Show with Emily Fuller on show. She's coming up in just a moment. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Emily Fuller-Run Show on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. Or good afternoon, I mean good evening, everyone. It's 8pm and you're listening to me, Emily Fuller-Run, Teacher Talk Radio. And I am joined by two special guests today and we are going to discuss... Can we truly talk freely in an education that is left-leaning? So stay tuned and talk it out with us. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Emily Follow Run Show on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's lovely to be back. And I am back with a bang. And I've got two bangs. I've got Mr. Gareth Williams. I, he's my colleague. Um, he's one of the best head of years, but um, I work with in the school. He's truly amazing. Not only is he a head of year, he's also, I don't know how he does it, but he is also a counsellor for Harlow. Really interesting. So I can't wait to dig into that later on in the show. Um, And he was part of a team that overturned the political landscape by turning Harlow blue for the first time in many years. So when I say blue, I mean conservative. He is an avid campaigner and believes in working for the benefit of disadvantaged people in Harlow and is working hard to put together the biggest regeneration schedule that Essex has ever seen. He describes himself as a one nation conservative and is centre left in comparison to most Tories. Gareth is also, as I said before, the head of year in my school in East London, working hard to be a middle leader and support nearly 200 students. He is also an MFL teacher and starred in the advert for Get Into Teaching to inspire future MFL teachers into the profession. I don't know if I've done him um, justice, but honestly, he is phenomenal. And this is a show that holds a special place in my heart because I feel that on Twitter and um, just in general, um, there's great support for those that are on the left side of political spectrum. But if you say anything of an ickling in terms of even being a bit conservative, then it's a massive... um, kind of taboo um it might just be me or my and my perceptions but it will be interesting to see people call in and people um you know message in if you're a conservative teacher do you feel like you could really speak freely in our profession or do you feel like um as as a conservative educator that maybe your voice isn't heard in the midst of more liberal educators so um yeah please do share your thoughts um if you are you know on the left side of the political spectrum then um again share your thoughts as part of the um teacher talk radio mission 
our mission is to have diverse voices and that's why I really want to do the um, show because I don't really feel that conservative teachers and the conservative voice is amplified um, enough in my opinion so um, it is in line with our mission statement so um, please go on the website and read it as well um, but I do have on the um, line Gareth so hi Gareth how are you? Emily hi thanks for that very kind intro I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. I don't think I've done um, you justice because obviously you're one of the um, best head of years amongst the others in um, our school. So, yeah. Um, how was your Monday? <laughs> it was a typical Monday. It was raining. It was dark. Um, it was one of those classic winter Mondays. But no, it was good. It was all good. It's good to see the kids as always. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I had no lessons today because year 11s and, well, I'd had a cover lesson. Um, year 11s and year 30s are on study leave and it gave me the opportunity to tidy up my office because it's been on my to-do list since, like, last year, summer. Um, so I can finally see my table again, which I'm really happy about. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Um, so I don't know if I did introduce, you know, a bit about yourself and I introduced, um, you know, a bit about your career journey, but it would be nice to hear from you. And if you could go in depth in terms of how you got into teaching and your journey into progression and also in your political career and what make, how, how do you balance the two as well? Um, I don't. <laughs> very, very badly. Um, so, I mean, the political side of it, I, I really genuinely got involved in politics um, just to improve my local area. I, I've got no aspirations of being an MP. Um, I certainly don't speak for the Tory party and they definitely don't speak for me sometimes. Um, mm. I just wanted to improve where I lived. So I was getting a bit fed up with kind of potholes and streetlights being out and kind of the, the derelict state of, of where I lived in, in Harlow. Um, so I got involved locally, sort of the Labour administration, as, as well-meaning as they were, had sort of, um, they'd run out of ideas and run out of steam. And I just felt the momentum, pardon the pun, was, was, was with the local Conservatives. So I joined um, for the first time, actually, um, and just got involved locally and sort of mastermind, well, I didn't mastermind, but I was part of the team that masterminded sort of the election strategy. And we got out and knocked on doors um, relentlessly. And that was oh, evenings and weekends, really. Um, and then we, I spent an evening in a leisure centre and we strangely got elected and we got elected up and down the country, really. Um, and it's been a bit of a whirlwind ever since. Um, so, I mean, the, the politics side of it, as I haven't mentioned, is like an evenings and weekends thing. Um, the... I mean, how I got into teaching was sort of, I, I came out of university in 2008, kind of at the start, yeah. I think it was the start, the start of the middle of the recession, as was at the time, the credit crunch. And I really wanted to get into teaching. I studied um, languages at uni, but I just couldn't afford it. Uh, I couldn't afford to sort of pay for a PGCE and get, a, I could afford maybe the tuition fee loan, but I couldn't afford to live after that um, and sort of the expenses that were necessary. And plus, yeah. I was, I'm from Manchester, um, but I didn't want to sort of go back there. I was keen to sort of stick where I was. So I went to the University of Warwick, um, but the placements would have been, I, I wasn't driving at the time. So I, I don't think I would have been able to get to a lot of the placements because they were kind of in a bit, not rural, but they, you couldn't get there on the bus, basically. So um, I just really wanted, after four years of being skint, I really wanted to earn some money. So I worked in business, I worked in the recruitment industry initially, um, moved into FMCG. Ooh, um, worked at sort of some global retailers, 
uh, and then I met a girl who became my wife and she yeah. was a teacher and um, I kind of reignited my passion through her effectively and realized that, you know, it's not all little did I know um, that, uh, you know, you kind of, even in teaching, you're definitely accountable for the data ultimately. Um obviously there's there's way more to it than that but in when i was in working business it was very much you're only as good as your last month um it was all about hitting that um, that figure no matter no matter not not necessarily no matter what i always did it in an ethical way but it was you know you, you had your ways of doing things and um i just thought that there was another way and when i was working in my last sort of major position uh, i started working with youngsters that were coming in um, on like school releases, uh, apprentices, uh, and I really sort of got a passion out of getting them through and getting their sort of careers established. And um, at the time, well, there still is. Um, I saw an advert on TV for about getting into teaching, um, yeah. and there were bursaries available, tax-free bursaries, to sort of for me to train. In my case, to train as an MFL teacher, um, and I thought, well, it's going to be a step down. Uh, financially but it's not going to be too much of a burden at least i'll be earning something i was very grateful yeah. for it so but it was again little did i know i was naive i just thought you could apply and i think i've i genuinely discovered it this in like a, a sort of october and i naively thought oh if i apply now i can start in november december how wrong was i i had to wait nearly a year uh, to actually start again the following september <laughs> and sort of see out my notice period um but i was the the passion for what i was then doing had completely gone um so yeah i've been teaching for kind of four years now absolutely love it i i can't see me doing anything else yeah you're absolutely amazing at it honestly and i keep you know saying that um thanks gareth you know it's you it seems like you've had you know a, a rich journey in, in terms of your political career as well as your um, career in education. Um, so my next question is, what are your, you know, conservative values? Because I really do appreciate you coming on the show because, as I said before, I do feel that in education, the liberal, the Labour voice seems to be the much popular um, voice than those that might be more conservative leaning. But as I said before, you are not far right obviously no You're, definitely um, not no, yeah, no, no. i'm yeah. not even right wing i am definitely not right wing um yeah, yeah, so yeah if you could just you know talk about your ideology and also your conservative that would be ace thank you yeah i mean i i mean i i sort of definitely loathe of the far right i mean I, nobody nobody should identify it in that way I'm, unfortunately there's some people that do and, and brexit has kind of brought some of those people out hasn't it mm. um and kind of after that and they felt it was acceptable to sort of behave in that way and it's just it's deplorable it's horrible mm. um I, i'm absolutely not wing either I, I i mean where do i sit on the political spectrum as you said in your intro i'm center uh center is really almost center left which again mm. you may for listeners may think how is this guy a tory um I'm a Tory because of locally, really. Um, some of the national stuff, I sort of look through my fingers, really, and think, oh, what are you doing? Um, yeah. So, what, what, I mean, since where I sit, um, I'm a, what, what we would, if listeners are familiar with the term, maybe sort of history teachers will know what a one nation Tory is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, in, from an economic point of view, I do believe um, in. I mean, sort of free markets from that point of view, I think yeah. that we, um, 
and that's kind of how we we, we grow a strong economy with with, with with intervention where necessary um and i do believe in taxing big business by the way um i think mm-hmm. we we need to get our money our bank from our book from our amazons and googles of the Same. world and it needs to be fair um i believe everyone in in our country whoever they are wherever they're from um no matter what postcode they are has an absolutely equal right to a fair chance in life um yeah. And I believe in a strong society and a social contract between all of us as fellow citizens is supported in our tax and welfare system. Um, so that's kind of where I'm from in that point of view. I do believe in free enterprise and business, um, but do I believe in that in the education system? No, I don't. Um, I don't think you can sort of put market values um, into the education system and make it work there. It just, it's, they're just totally different. Yeah. Yeah. I agree about that. Thank you. And, um, yeah, so my next question is, why do you think liberal voices and values are more amplified than conservative voices in the sphere of education, education specifically? Um I mean, my vo- again, my, my my voice is is, is fairly liberal, and you will find, yeah. you know, one nation Tories as I identify, if you like, um, are, are liberal by 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 nature. I think um, education is is just really progressive you're always trying to is it, it just to boil it down as teachers you're always trying to do something better um whether it's that part of cu- the curriculum that we're teaching today or the, this week you know next time we do it we'll try and do it that little bit better we'll always try and be better than our last lesson um mm-hmm. and therefore you're always constantly innovating and there's amazing people out there um that you know study and investigate these things and you kind of learn from them so i think um is is uh, is an industry if you want to call it that and it isn't but as a vocation it's definitely progressive and it kind of leans towards that um and i, th- I said i don't the government's not helped itself over the last what are we now 21 11 years effectively of tory leadership um with kind of the reforms to the curriculum um certainly yeah. the, the o word um <laughs> the, the increasing powers that they have you know it's, it's not been an easy time to be a teacher and you know I'm not here to bash on the government, but after 18 months of really difficult times as teachers where we've kind of um, really stepped up and done our thing um, for society and, you know, we're on a a pay freeze, um, which is effectively a pay cut in real terms. And it's, you know, you can't, I I find it disingenuous when they sort of talk about how we're valued and yet we're we're on a pay freeze. I understand that the the country's um, doesn't have a huge amount of money, particularly coming COVID, but, you know, don't say one thing and do another. I find that disingenuous. Yeah, but I agree with you on that one. And um, oh, I had another question, but it um, escaped me. But for those that are listening, so hello to Woody Dunnan. Nice to have you. Um, I can see more people entering the live studio. Oh, hello, Aman. So Aman Baines works uh, with myself and Gareth, so it's lovely to have you. Hello, Yasmin. Hello, Emma. Um, hello, Nathan and Seema. So please do um, call in at any time or, you know, add your comments or your questions in the chat. It, after all, it is called Teachers Talk Radio. So we would love to hear um, other people's views or um, take your questions as well. OK, so my, you know, my next question, Gareth, is how has your conservative values um, informed your leadership? Um, I, I, I don't think they have, obviously they have, I suppose, um, fundamentally, and, and I will sort of kind of 
go back to that life chances thing um mm. is, is ahead of year i'm not unique in this but ahead of year i genuinely believe i believe in all of the children in, in our school obviously but mm. i've got a special interest in, in those under my stewardship and um i think that my sort of i have that genuine absolute in my soul desire that they have as equal right to a fair chance in life as kids from Eton and um, mm. Harrow. And, you know, it's just because you're born in a certain part of London doesn't mean, you know, why should you have less chance than somebody in, in Leafy Hertfordshire? So I find mm. that sort of social injustice sort of drives me really. Um, and that's not unique to the Conservative Party, obviously. Um, but I believe in that aspiration. And um, yeah. I think that's that's really where it comes from. That, that's really what drives me. So if you see me sort of in full steam in assembly or when I'm I'm talking to the kids one-on-one -on -one occasionally or in small groups, you know, that's the sort of thing that really gets me going and gets me up and out of the house in the early morning, really. Mm -hmm. um, so from that, from that life chances point of view, and, um, you know, I also believe in sort of from a, a localism point of view, I really believe in sort of the local and civic over sort of the bureaucratic bureaucratic and sort of national side of it, the, the government controlling everything. I really believe in in that I will have my biggest impact in my local area, whether that's where I live or where I work. And mm. I believe if there's lots of people like that, which there are, yeah. then that will get the best out of uh, our young people and, and further our society. Yeah. Wow. And do you feel like be, be becoming a counsellor has um, shaped you as a teacher? Do you think it goes hand in hand? You know, this. I'd say it's the other way. I'd say a teacher's shaped me being a counsellor. Oh, yeah, um, yeah def for sure. Um, because it's you are dealing with. I mean, from I don't want to say from the sublime to the ridiculous, but you know, um, a street light going outside your house may not be a big issue, but to an elderly person or a vulnerable person, it's a huge issue because they feel unsafe. Yeah. Um, so you have to have that ability to, to relate to people, um, but equally see the bigger picture. And as I'm, as you mentioned in your intro about sort of the things that we're doing in, in Harlow um, for the total regeneration of the town, that's going to serve me, my children, the next generations. Um, now, I'm not suggesting my curriculum is going to do that, nor is my role as a head of year. It's going to serve those children where they are. Um, but you kind of have that forward-looking view that you have in education has, has shaped wow. me as a counsellor. I don't think anything from being a counsellor really has, has shaped my um, education sort of profession. It's, I'd say it's definitely the way. Wow. Wow. And how do you how do you balance it, Gareth? How do you balance it all? Um, I mean, I'm heading slowly towards divorce, I would say, but no, all oh. joking. <laughs> all joking. Uh, you just, you, you just, it is like anything. It, you just have to balance it. I mean, I obviously, no, I never do any of my um, council stuff when I'm at, at school or near to school or anything like that. Uh, I mean, a lot of the meetings are seven thirty onwards, um, which which helps. Um, mm. And they're not they're not too often. I think what takes up a lot of your time is is what we would describe as casework. So dealing with those lights going out, or um, you know, wanting to invest some money in putting a, a pelican cross in here, and, and dealing. I deal with schools as well. So my remit within um, kind of the local council, if you like, is liaising with all the schools. So wow. um, it's you just you just have to find balance otherwise i mean teaching is just exhausting you don't need me to tell you that yeah um but 
you know, the council side of it, it can be quite dry. You know, it can be very, very boring when you're sat in a a meeting with a 700-page town plan document and you really, really don't want to go through it. But there's amazing people in the council that do this full-time, just a bit like a very small version of the civil service where they're the ones that actually do the work. You just set the the tempo, set the tone, and they're the guys that carry it out. So mm-hmm. it's very much a sort of a vision um, uh, thing as opposed to sort of a pragmatic out on the streets doing it. Mm, I like that. And just, you know, just listening to, you know, you talking, I just had another question come to mind. And that, that is if you could, you know, had the power to change one thing in education, what would that be? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> just one. I mean, I've got loads. Oh, okay. Um, or say everything. Well, I'll I'll say my top three. How about that? Um, Again, this is so not a Tory thing, but I'll say anyway. Uh, Well, it's actually a Tory thing. There's loads of people that believe in this, but I would charge VAT for private schools. Um, I think that's that's if we're we're going to talk about having a fair society, I think that's definitely the way to do it. Uh, I think from the last figures I saw, and someone will tell me I'm wrong, I think it's about 1.5 billion that would generate. um, And think how much need free school meals and free school uh, uniforms you could get for that, right? That's that's a lot. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I'd do. And the second thing I'd do is um, is sort of a, a wide-ranging curriculum reform, really, um, mm. and sort of have like a non, well, an honest conversation. Like what can we – I mean, there's not much we can learn from COVID as such, but what? how can we take advantage of the educational lessons from COVID, whether that's, you know, do we get rid of – or rather, do we reduce the kind of high-stakes exam at the end of yeah. – you know, when you're 16 years old and – remove a lot of these increasing mental health challenges that are coming um do we uh, you know should we do an all states exam at 16 should we move to 18 um should we should all students sit english maths and science um should the ebac be a thing should t levels be a thing be you know all these uh, different ways i think for me i think apprenticeship apprenticeships sorry um Mm. should be regarded in a much higher way um and you know you should be just as proud as getting your apprenticeship at um somewhere else um i'm trying to insert business here or organization (laughs) here you should be just as proud as that as you as you should be going to get any place at university through UCAS. um and for me until you we've got that kind of parity um it's uh, for me i don't think society is equal so that that's mm. that's kind of where i'm at mm, i love that Kareth. and um woody dannon has said i've started to do more because i want to change um the question i always get asked is how do you find the time time is available if used well so i think that's a common um how do i find how do i find the time uh, or mm. how does anyone find the time um uh, it is bad. I mean, really good diary management, I'd say. I mean, if yeah. you accept that I try and do as much at school as I can, as, as my schoolwork, obviously, yeah. um, try and do as much of my schoolwork as I can, that is obviously always not possible. Um, the political side of it, oh, it's a comment, not a question. Oh, no, no, no you okay. can carry on. No, oh, yeah. right. I mean, the, the political side of it, yeah. as I said, it, that will eat into your weekends um, and a bit of an evenings as well. But it's not as much as you think. When you're campaigning, then yes. But I mean, I tell you what, Emily, the, the fitness benefits from campaigning were immense. I was doing <laughs> 20,000 steps. Um, steps. You are talking to people and knocking on doors. Sometimes they're not very nice to you. Um, you sometimes. Get 
I guess. You are very thick skin. You're oh, too, right? Yeah, I mean, you will get things thrown at you. To obviously, mm. depend on the colour of your rosette. Uh, and mm. it's not just the Conservatives as well, Labour too. They get the same sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, you're knocking on... It, it takes a brave person to sort of knock on a door yeah. um, and, and ask how you're planning on voting and can it be me uh, when you have no idea who the person is that's going to open and what their views are and if they've just got home from work or the baby's crying or they've just run a bath or the dog's barking and going wild and trying to attack you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that takes a certain uh, mindset. But I, I enjoy I like speaking to people, so I, I enjoyed it. Oh, that's amazing. And out of interest, because I haven't sent you these questions, but more questions keep coming as I'm listening to you. Um, so how how did you manage to turn Harlow, you know, blue? Because um, I know it was it, it was it was a Labour stronghold before. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, Harlow's a, a strange political uh, makeup, really, because they've had uh, some of the listeners might know Robert Halfon, He's the chair of the. Um, Education Select Committee, and he's been the MP here for for many many years, and he's he's a conservative uh, with views yeah. similar to my own. Actually, he's very much a centrist. Um, but um, for some reason, Labour had controlled the council. I think it was. Uh, I mean, to be frank, conservative associations up and down the country are not the youngest um, dynamic bunch of people, and um, I'm not suggesting that was the case in Harlow, but I think a few of younger people uh, if i can still call myself young um got involved and we really put together sort of a convincing plan and um whilst i'm not the biggest fan of boris johnson ever um mm-hmm. he is a hit on the doorstep and um when you knock on people's doors they sort of they genuinely have um deep-rooted effect the fact they call him boris or most people call him boris rather than the prime minister or his full name or whatever um mm-hmm. you know people have a genuine affection for him so that oh, made, wow. made wow. life How? easy I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, I I don't know. I think it was, I mean, I'm trying to think when this was. This was in May last year. So this was like, as the vaccination program was kicking in or had kicked in. Um, There was kind of a feel good was probably not the right phrase, but it was um, sort of a, a political bounce upwards, really. Um, and and the Labour Party nationally, just at the time, was was fast out of ideas and people tend to vote locally. Um, Some do vote on very local issues, but a lot of them vote on kind of national um, moves at the time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, what was my next question? Yeah, so my next question is how can, you know, conservative teachers or those that aren't not conservative but may have conservative values become more bold... Um, I, th- I think a lot of it is, is 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 how you approach it. I mean, obviously you know me, and there's 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 a couple of members of staff on here that know me and know that I like to think, oh no, unless I'm in a really bad mood, I'm I'm pretty approachable and open. Um, I think it's just how about you go. That's why I'm not on Twitter because I don't think 180 characters or whatever it is now um, would kind of would would help me um, because you just you lose that kind of that face to face human interaction. I think yeah. it's uh, because but as soon as people think that. Uh, or know that you're a conservative, they've got certain views about you and they think that you think in that certain rigid way. And that's absolutely not, in my case, that's definitely not the case. And for a lot of Tories that I know, that's they're exactly the same. Um, so I think it's just about being sort of open, really, and avoiding sort of emotional topics like Brexit or something where you kind of got, it's either you're either in or out. I know it's, it's been and gone now, but... Um, you know, if you, if you talk about something, uh, you know, curriculum reform or whether it's national issues, um, you know, there are some kind of different shades yeah. um, of conversation. So I think, how do you become more bold? I think, you know, just I'd avoid labels and just sort of say, 
I am what I am. I am a Tory yeah. councillor, but that doesn't mean I'm some sort of died in the wall, stiff, horrendous conservative um, that hates children and wants free schools everywhere. Um, you know, you can you can be kind of have a flavour of certain views and, and act differently. Yeah, you know? yeah. Thank you, Gareth. Um, Woody Dan has said uh, maybe because. In terms of why, because I asked the question, why people, why do people love Boris Johnson so much? So, um, Woody Dan has said maybe because of yeah. how he presents himself on TV. Um, quite possibly, I think you know. Well, I'm not just British people, but I know particularly British people love a character, don't they? And uh, mm. Boris Johnson is certainly a character. I mean, the guy was a Conservative mayor of London. I mean, <laughs> you just could never imagine that, could you? Or I couldn't anyway. But he was, and he was yeah. successful at it. Um, so, I mean, why do people love Boris? I think it's just because um, there was at the time, um, and again, not politics is very much about timing. Um, yeah, at the time. True there was kind of this perception that Britain had done really well out of COVID. Obviously not the day, not, I mean, they'd done really well to bounce back from COVID is probably yeah. the best way of putting it. Um, so like the vaccination programme and everything else, there was this kind of feel good factor on the doorstep. Um, and it is very much on the doorstep. And kind of, we knew that we could bid um, as a, an incoming council. Uh, we knew that we could bid, that there was money available to us um, if we put in the right bids. And we've got a, a really hardworking MP, genuinely, um, who can kind of open those doors for us and get investment into the town. So, um, but Boris in himself uh, genuinely is very, I mean, people, he's definitely Marmite um, now mm. and people, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because if um, in sort of France and everything, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about France because I'm a, a French teacher, um, mm. but it's quite common for sort of presidents to have affairs and things like that and multiple wives and stuff. <laughs> um, it's normal. But with Boris Johnson, people aren't really too bothered, um, <laughs> you know, about his kind of personal life. They just sort of see this, um, jovial character that was kind of at the time getting things done um, so no, I don't know why he's as popular as he is, I don't think anyone knows he's, there's just something kind of magic about him I'm not the biggest fan of him in the world um, yeah, by any stretch of the imagination but you know, he, he does, he's a, he is a good campaigner and he is a vote winner Wow, that's a really good point that's a really yeah. good point and Aman has said um, complimentary about you, Gareth is so hard no, working and approachable Think we need twenty five hours a day to do the job. So good, you're making a difference to your community. Um, yeah. Um, so we're just going to take a short break. We've got the news um, now, and then we've got um, adverts. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Children's Commissioner, Dame Rachel D'Souza, has warned the Prime Minister not to close schools in response to the Omicron variant, despite cases in the UK reaching 160. Speaking on the Andrew Marr show, she said, Lockdown was a terrible time for the whole nation. It's also why I think we must not close schools again. We must not. I would urge the Prime Minister not to close schools. The children want things back to normal. They took a huge hit for us. We must not close schools again. And my head teacher colleagues across the country are incredibly good at managing this situation. I watched them rush to support the most vulnerable. And I would definitely advise not to do this if there is any other option. 280,000 children were recorded absent from school on November the 25th. 
2.6% of all pupils in England. Wrexham Council have supported young leaders in a project called Healthy Minds Haven, which is designed to improve mental well-being in school communities. There will be an event on the 15th of December in which senior leadership teams will be invited when they will learn how their school can become a healthy minds haven. Interim Clinical Service Manager from North Wales CAMS School Inreach Service, Sophie Gorst, will speak about why she is supporting the campaign aim to improve mental health support for young people in schools. This has been your daily education news briefing. And welcome back. Um, this is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Steve Woods, and this is Two Minute Tech. Shortcuts are key combinations that allow tasks to be performed faster. You may be familiar with Control C for copy and V for paste. Here's one that may just change your life. Did you know? There's a shortcut for bookmarking a web page. When browsing the internet, you can quickly bookmark a page by holding down Control and pressing D. If on a Mac, it's Command and D. Once you press this key combination, you're presented with the option to save the page into your bookmarks. Now, that might not be the most earth-shattering revelation in your use of tech, but let's add a little more to the mix with an additional three-key combination. Hold Control, Shift and press B. You can also now show and hide your bookmarks bar. On this bar, you can park your most common bookmarks. Again, on a Mac, replace Control with the Command key, Command, Shift and B. The bookmarks bar can speed things up and you can arrange about 10 bookmarks by dragging them around. Now let's apply this to teaching and improving efficiency. Do you use multiple websites in different lessons and spend time opening them individually? Is your bookmarks bar cluttered or do you drop hyperlinks into your presentations and then wait for them to open? Wouldn't it be great? if you can open all your web pages in just a couple of clicks. Well, you can. When creating a bookmark, there's an option to make a folder. So while researching a lesson or topic, you can save bookmarks into one place using the wonderful Control D. Here's the magic. If you right-click a folder and select Open All, guess what? All bookmarks in that folder open in new tabs ready for your lesson. So when you're planning, use Control D and make a new folder. When you want them, all sites can almost instantly be on your screen and ready to go. Those shortcuts again. Control D to bookmark, Shift Control B for the bookmarks bar, and right click Open All to open all bookmarks in a folder. If on a Mac, replace Control with Command. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. 
To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. And welcome back. So we have been talking, um, myself and Gareth, about all things politics and education as well. So for those that have just entered the live studio, welcome. Um, and it was just really interesting as well, um, listening about Steve's tips. I found that really interesting, those tech tips. Um, so yeah, that, that was really interesting. So hopefully um, you have learned something from that. If you have, why don't you put it in the chat? Because I love learning about new technology, especially when it comes to making my life easier whilst teaching. So welcome back, Gareth. Um, I've got a few more questions for you. It's really, in, it's not, you know, a lot of times that we come across a teacher as well as a counsellor. So um, it's just really interesting hearing your journey, your um, views on certain topics as well. So my next question to you is how can leaders become better in leadership? Oh, um, I mean, if I knew the answer to that, I would absolutely go out the CPD market. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think... Uh... I, authenticity really i think you get behind um you get behind sort of strong leaders um because you believe in them and if you think they're mm. honest and authentic whether it's a head teacher in, in obviously in, in teaching circles or prime minister uh, party leader um anyone you know you you, you get behind them because you believe in them and you think that they've got a strong set of values and actually live those values if they do one thing and say another which is kind of how, how boris is finding things at the moment um <laughs> you will come and stalk in in his case your polling will go down um obviously there is no polling in education so you just start or you start believing in your head teacher um you know i'm not in terms of our teacher, I think he's got a really strong set of values and he lives them. Yeah, so so yeah. I, I believe in him um, yeah, so. and he's a really, really good guy. Um, but if, if I didn't feel that, then like most people, I would look for another job somewhere else, but I don't yeah. need to because I've, I've got that. So um, it, it's that authenticity really. And because people, yeah. you know, to go back to sales roles, people buy from people and wow. um, you have to sort of really engage with that. For me, anyway, I think that's what makes a good leader. Yeah, I love that. Thanks, Gareth. I think it leads on nicely to my next question, which is because obviously you're um, centre-left, so, you know, you're like conservative of a small C. So how can you help detoxify the Conservative Party? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying. That's why people sort of say, you know, you, you're, you're not your normal Conservative. It's like, yeah, I know. Um, but I'd rather kind of be in the room fixing things than outside and, and complaining about it. Yeah. Um, so so that, that's one side of it. I think to detoxify the, the Conservative Party, I think there just needs to be a sort of a root and branch um, kind of look at Westminster really and getting rid of the, uh, from a, an MP's point. Now, having more confidence in MPs, because I'd say it's probably, a, I wouldn't say all-time low, but very low at the moment. Yeah. Um, so sort of getting rid of second, I mean, we, I don't know about you, Emily, but I certainly have not got time for a second job, uh, but MPs <laughs> do. Uh, and on good money as well. So I just I just find it all very sleazy and um, cash oriented and 
Um, I'm not going to say the c word of corrupt, but it, it's, it, I wouldn't say it's that. But it, it just it just feels like this sort of murky shadow of of, mm. of earning cash. Um, so from when it comes to the the Tory party, definitely sort of diversify um, uh, kind of the leadership and the MPs, which is I mean you'd be very surprised if you were to go to sort of um, uh, an event. It, it's much more diverse than than the media would make you think. Um, oh. So you need yeah definitely. Um, I mean I was at an event a couple of weeks ago in Harlow and we sort of had um we had i mean there's there's all sorts of groups that are, that are involved sort of locally we had people from um wembley sort of coming and um, we had sort of all all um people from all backgrounds and you're thinking well yeah. why don't we see this in our mps um, why don't we see this in our leaders um that leaders of the party that is um, but then at the same time, you'll see some like Rishi Sunak and I think, I mean, that guy, the guy's impressive, but at the same time, yeah. he's incredibly rich and wealthy and is married very, very well, which has absolutely helped. Um, so uh, for me, it needs to be sort of diversity um, that sort of makes up the country and makes up the membership, but equally diversity from a sort of a social background as well. Um, and, you know, you don't have to go down the whole route of sort of go to private school, go to Oxford or Cambridge go and work for CCHQ, conservative um, headquarters, or go and work for an MP and sort of become a special advisor, then become an MP yourself, and there you go. Um, it's actually, you know, to be go and work for an MP is, is, is challenging because you have to go and do um, uh, some work experience. And I don't know about yeah. you, but when I was – well, I couldn't afford to do it at any stage of my life where I could have afforded to work in central London for free um, for many, many hours a day just to have the opportunity to earn, get a job and earn, you know, very small, well, not a small amount of money, but if you're working in central London and you've got to live there as well or there or thereabouts, um, you know, you're sort of in a starting salary is about 23, 24 grand, which isn't to be sniffed at, but that's that's not a lot in central London, the travelling and the living and all the rest of it. Um, so it's... It's there are many barriers to entry, I would say, into politics for sort of for, for working class people. Um, mm -hmm. So that that is something that I would certainly look at. And there's there's roots into that if if that's what you want to so from an apprenticeship yeah. point of view, I would say. Um, in terms of the actual Tory party itself, um, I just uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's that authenticity and that kind of um, that anti sleaze. And Tony Blair did very well with that when he became yeah. um, Labour leader. Tony. Uh, of course, I love Tony Blair. I think he's amazing, <laughs> and I, I wish New Labour were still around because yeah. I would definitely be a member. Um, but they're not, and that's that's unfortunately that's been yeah. gone. I do um, feel like as... Labour Party went downhill after Tony. It just it just never got yeah. the same. Loved yeah. him. My favorite president, um, Prime Minister. I said President, Prime Minister Tony. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I've not felt the same about um, another. Prime Minister since same. really um, Brown and you know it's hard to sort of really get behind David Cameron um, I'll be honest um, yeah. Theresa Blair I thought uh, Theresa Blair Theresa May <laughs> I really liked um, yeah, but right. it just she was just sort of hamstrung by the, the, the Brexit thing yeah. um, so the Tory party's got loads of work to do um, but I would rather be in there kind of helping it um, get to where it should be rather than being on the outside and um, just sort of watching yeah. it go a certain way yeah, yeah, I like you that. See what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I might need to put a poll out and or question out who was who's your favourite um, UK Prime Minister from past or way to present. So it might be interesting to see yeah. um, people's um, comments because I think I just remember growing up under 
Tony Tony Blair and I remember his campaign of education, education, education. To be fair, he is the person that started a capitalization. But um, yeah, I, I, I just there's just something. Yeah, but it about worked it though, didn't it? I think it, it, yeah. it worked. And and this is my almost my problem with with admitting being a conservative councillor anyway sort of people think that you've got this certain dogma about you and dogma first and evidence second whereas mm-hmm. uh, for me that just doesn't work if you're going to make every school a, a free school or, or rather start a load of free schools academies and then um, keep uh, grammar schools open or grow grammar schools and everything else just from a dogmatic point of view that I don't think that's right at all yeah um, and yeah. that's not why that's not why I'm involved in mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes yeah, makes so much um sense. Um, sorry, I'm just reading the comments. So Emma said you grew up under Tony Blair. That makes me feel old. No, no, don't feel old. Um, <laughs> Woody Dan said, "Do it, do it, and call, do it." Yeah. So um, I think somebody wanted to call in. Feel free. Yeah, to call in. in. I'm not. I don't bite. Um. Yeah. So I think it's E N I C W T. Yeah. Feel free to call in if um you wish. And um, whilst you are calling in, if you still want to call in, I do have another question, which is how can the current, you know, government support the legacy of COVID? Because I'm just seeing so much. And, you know, even in various schools, um, like I go- I'm a governor for another school and the amount of staff that are out sick is just terrible, isn't it? Yeah, and... Oh, we've got a caller. Oh, yeah. Oh, hi. I don't know who what your name is. It says... Pardon? Um, hi, my name is Nora. I'm not entirely sure why it um, changed my name. Oh, hi, Nora. Welcome. It's lovely to have you here. Hi. Um, so I was really excited for this episode, and I could be wrong, but I saw something about ADHD. Uh, I think it might be another show. <laughs> that yeah. might... Oh, no. Then this is the wrong show. Oh, no. no apologies. It was, it was just to ask. Yeah. Or... Obviously, I don't know about everybody else. Um, so to give you a bit of background, I'm not a teacher. I was going to do my PGCE this year. Yeah. And then my mental health, we found too bad. Like, I found that I wouldn't be able to cope with it. Oh, I was just no, wondering so how other teachers have found teaching with COVID, like whether they have found it difficult or whether it's taught you sort of new techniques, whether actually you prefer teaching online, um, just things like that, really. Yeah, um, it's such a good question. I know this is Lucy's topic in her show tomorrow, um, so yeah. please do call in there, but I'm happy to talk about my experience. Or Gareth, did you want to chip in? Oh, no, I mean, that's such a really big question. Um, You know, if you're thinking about teaching, definitely go into it. Um, That's the first thing I'd say. Um, In terms of kind of learning the lessons from COVID, if there are, you know, teaching in COVID times, do I prefer teaching online? Uh, No. Um, To be honest, I much, much prefer doing it in person. Have I had to adapt? Well, yeah. I mean, there was a a period um, where you had to, well, we couldn't like move around the classroom. So you had to sort of stand at the front in a little box and kind of teach from there. And um, so, yes, you had to sort of adapt um where are we now i think it's sort of a, a, a bit well it's mostly like what it was before isn't it um i know the guidelines change frequently but um i definitely do not prefer teaching online um but equally i recognize the absolute 
enormous strain on staffing at the moment and people feeling well and poorly and um, unfortunately spreading it. So um, it's a really fine balance and I'm glad that I'm not in a decision-making um, role where I'd have to kind of press the button and, um, you know, make that decision because that's a really hard one to do. But I think I believe in, in children. I think what's what's right for the children yeah. is the best outcome. But equally, you have to protect your staff. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a fine balance. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Gareth. And before, because we've only got a few minutes with you, um, I really do want to ask about the question, I was getting to it, about what can the government do to support, you know, the impact and the legacy that we're seeing as a result of COVID and remote teaching? And, you know, I'm just thinking about some of my year nines and the fact that the literacy is quite bad and they're not writing in an extended way. Um, what, What... would you, would you I mean, have or? yeah i mean if i was sat with the education secretary i'm not sure if you'd listen to me directly but i mean you, you'll see a lot in the media about um mps who have never worked in teaching will say you know the schools need to be open longer and at weekends and get volunteers in you know where from <laughs> um <laughs> and get tutors in and all the rest of it um look the government needs to put its money where its mouth is quite literally yeah, and yeah, um yeah. seriously if you're talking about building back better which is the slogan that the um 2019 campaign you know we, we need to build back and we build back from our schools otherwise you are yeah. leaving a generation or two behind um yes, so that needs yes, to be serious yes. investment and um sort of ending that digital divide would make a massive difference yeah. um and i think having you know certainly with my pastoral head on if you've got a chat what you need is it is a student in a lesson and teachers are the best in what they do and making that happen um so whether that catch-up could be um i'm not just in longer school day but there just needs to be a, a more of a serious investment um in maybe more teachers um less contact time for teachers have got time better time to prepare lessons um better mm-hmm. facilities um mm-hmm. so if the, if the government is serious that the money's out there and there was uh, i forgive the chap's name catherine might talk about him and um, there was a government czar wasn't there that sort of education czar who resigned um because he oh, put wow. his proposals in i can't remember exactly how much but the government put in a poultry amount and he resigned um that was kind of how to bounce back from covid educationally yeah. and i think well we, we need to be listening to these genuine experts rather than an mp who's never wouldn't last two minutes um wouldn't even make it through cheetah time um you know so let's listen to the experts yeah. uh, so if true. we have to invest so be it yeah so true so true um Laura said, I worked in a school where they had Saturday morning schools. And to be honest, you could see that the kids were really flagging on Saturday morning. Yeah, me Saturday. too, to be honest. It was Saturday morning. You know, um, I love what I do with the thought of not Friday night, not being a sort of a Netflix night and just, yeah. you know, marking and planning again. I think I'd be I'd be done in by Christmas. Yeah, yeah, same. And I agree in terms of what you said about um, more investment. And I definitely feel like more investment needs to be gone into pastoral um, because one thing that I've seen despite you know a kind of gap in learning is there's so many pastoral issues on a rise and mental health issues and anxiety issues among students as a result of being in lockdown for quite some time so in my opinion yeah. I definitely think more investment needs to be given to pastoral teams in you know dealing with these issues 
and supporting families as well because it for for all of us it was our first time um oh. and you know don't underestimate the impact of, of, of parents and and carers you know it, it's been it's been astronomical um so you know support we, we all work together as, as one team um and that's how i work with, with my parents and that hopefully that's how they feel um mm. but you know definitely don't you know include the families whether that's bringing them into school as well you know um because we've all, we've all been impacted and um, we, we work together. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Anyway, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to listening to Catherine. She's a real force. Oh, yeah, um, yes, I'm looking forward to speak to her. But you've been excellent, Gareth. Honestly. Well, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And hopefully <laughs> I've realised that you can be a, a conservative or a counsellor in my case. And, you know, you hold some really yeah. good values. Um, and, you know, you believe in different things than maybe what you're hearing in the media. So yeah, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, it's been a breath of fresh air to um, listen to, and honestly, it's really interesting seeing, hearing other people, what other people do outside of teaching as well. And I've never come across a teacher and counsellor, so this is a first, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So we're now going to play um, the advert. Um, yeah. So and then hopefully Catherine will come on um, afterwards. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello and welcome back, everyone. Um, so now, in terms of the second half of the show, we I will be interviewing um, Catherine and we will be discussing her views in terms of the question of the show, which is can conservatives or those that have conservative values, because Catherine's not a conservative herself, she just holds conservative values, can... Um, they speak freely in a education system that is much more left leaning. So I want to say a big thank you to um, Gareth for um, interviewing. That was an amazing show, and it was really interesting to hear his views. And they they're not that typical um, conservative ideology. However, it was really interesting to see how he marries up his own personal in terms of politics so please do um, if you've got any comments or if you've got any questions please do um, dial in that would be great um, so I believe Catherine will um, join us soon but whilst we are waiting if um, you have any questions or comments please do um, put them in the chat um, if you've got any suggestions about future shows as well, always looking for ideas. That would be amazing um, too as well. Um, in a few weeks' time, 
I'm hoping to do a show on how we can improve the attainments amongst boys because I think that is a hot um, topic. So that would be great as well. And doing a part two in terms of Ofsted's inspections and deep dives, hopefully with um, another subject besides history, just so that we can get a flavour in terms of various contexts and also in terms of various... um, also in terms of various um, subjects as well. So Laura's put a question in the chat, which is what did everyone think of the Pearson Teaching Awards? I saw a brief clip in terms of, um, I've got the lady's name, the lady that won the Head Teacher Award, and I thought that was that was beautiful. So, yeah, it was really touching. Um, Laura, what did you think about the Pearson Teaching Awards? Yeah, I felt that was really touching the head the head teachers award um so yeah thanks for posing that question so yeah um if anyone's got any other comments or questions please do dial in we'll just whilst we're waiting we will just play the news again um and yeah This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Children's Commissioner, Dame Rachel D'Souza, has warned the Prime Minister not to close schools in response to the Omicron variant, despite cases in the UK reaching 160. Speaking on the Andrew Marshall, she said... Lockdown was a terrible time for the whole nation. It's also why I think we must not close schools again. We must not. I would urge the Prime Minister not to close schools. The children want things back to normal. They took a huge hit for us. We must not close schools again. And my head teacher colleagues across the country are incredibly good at managing this situation. I watched them rush to support the most vulnerable. And I would definitely advise not to do this if there is any other option. 280,000 children were recorded absent from school on November 25th, 2.6% of all pupils in England. Wrexham Council have supported young leaders in a project called Healthy Minds Haven, which is designed to improve mental well-being in school communities. There will be an event on the 15th of December to which senior leadership teams will be invited when they will learn how their school can become a healthy minds haven. Interim Clinical Service Manager from North Wales CAMS, School Inreach Service, Sophie Gorst, will speak about why she is supporting the campaign AIM to improve mental health support for young people in schools. This has been your daily education news briefing. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Steve Woods and this is Two Minute Tech. Shortcuts are key combinations that allow tasks to be performed faster. 
You may be familiar with Ctrl-C for copy and V for paste. Here's one that may just change your life. Did you know there's a shortcut for bookmarking a web page? When browsing the internet, you can quickly bookmark a page by holding down Ctrl and pressing D. If on a Mac, it's Command and D. Once you press this key combination, you're presented with the option to save the page into your bookmarks. Now, that might not be the most earth-shattering revelation in your use of tech, but let's add a little more to the mix with an additional three-key combination. Hold Control, Shift and press B. You can also now show and hide your bookmarks bar. On this bar, you can park your most common bookmarks. Again, on a Mac, replace Control with the Command key, Command, Shift and B. The bookmarks bar can speed things up and you can arrange about 10 bookmarks by dragging them around. Now let's apply this to teaching and improving efficiency. Do you use multiple websites in different lessons and spend time opening them individually? Is your bookmarks bar cluttered or do you drop hyperlinks into your presentations and then wait for them to open? Wouldn't it be great if you can open all your web pages in just a couple of clicks? Well, you can. When creating a bookmark, there's an option to make a folder. So while researching a lesson or topic, you can save bookmarks into one place using the wonderful Control D. Here's the magic. If you right click a folder and select open all, guess what? All bookmarks in that folder open in new tabs ready for your lesson. So when you're planning, use Control D and make a new folder. When you want them, all sites can almost instantly be on your screen and ready to go. Those shortcuts again. Control D to bookmark, Shift Control B for the bookmarks bar, and right click Open All to open all bookmarks in a folder. If on a Mac, replace Control with Command. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello. Hello. Hi, Catherine. How are you? It worked. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's fine. I was just trying to um, sort you out. I was like literally messaging Tom. Um, yeah, panicking. But I'm glad to have you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, sorry. I'm not. I well, It's funny. It's these gray things. I didn't know I had to hit one of these anyway. Your advice on hitting the gray button has worked. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's fine. Oh, it's just lovely to have you on. For those that don't know who Catherine is, hopefully most people do, um, Catherine is a phenomenal leader um, in Michaela. She founded the school and she's the headmistress of Michaela. Um, and Gareth, who I just interviewed previously, he said, I'm delighted to have been the warm-up slot for, for yourself so um thank you so much and you're amazing gareth um so yeah um i don't know if you want to tell us more about your journey in terms of opening michaela and um you know the various other things that you do outside of being a headmistress yeah um well we opened in 2014 it took us about three and a half years to get it open um had lots of people trying to stop us from opening uh mm -hmm. so that's why it took us so long and we tried to open in lambeth then we tried to open in wandsworth then we finally ended up in brent um opened in september 2014 with uh, 120 or seven kids and this last summer those same kids went off to university so six form opened a couple of years ago mm -hmm. and we're full and it's great yeah so oh. it's um yeah, it's been going, for, we're in our eighth year now. And you had an amazing set of results, I believe, in 2019 when it was the last public exams before it went yes. to 
tag. So that's an incredible achievement. For those that don't know, I am a massive fan of Catherine. Um, I think she's a phenomenal leader. She's a great role model. She's resilient um, and she pushes through and she's so bold in terms of what she believes in and does not back down. I absolutely love that. So, yeah, that's just my uh, <laughs> my two two pence. Um, yeah, so I'm a massive fan of yourself. I don't think I'm going to be popular after that, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, as I said before, you know, you are, uh, you, you don't identify in terms of being a conservative, but you have, a conser- you hold conservative values of a small c. Um, do you want to talk more about your conservative values? Yeah, well, and I would argue there's lots of big, big C conservatives who are not small C conservative. So to have the name conservative, which I think I, I often think should be taken away from them. But um, <laughs> uh, what do I mean by that? I mean, belief in personal responsibility, for instance, um, in not making excuses, um, having a sense of duty towards other people, uh, towards one's family, one's community, and sort of giving back. Um, yeah, those are two big things, I'd say. Uh, yeah, but, you know, when, when, when people say, you know, you're socially conservative, you're probably somebody who, um, oh, I don't know, uh, would want to dress conservatively. You know, when you say somebody's conservative, you, you want to uh, behave conservatively. Um, you know, and I, you know, I'm not necessarily saying there's anything wrong with not dressing conservatively. I just wouldn't. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, just a bit, I mean, I suppose people might think of it as being a bit old fashioned, really. Um, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I believe in manners, and um, I think it's just I, a standard way of life. Manners. <laughs> well, you say that. Um, there are lots of people who argue with me on Twitter, for instance, who would say that sort of thing isn't particularly important. Um, uh, you know, I think children ought to dress properly for school, and when I say properly, I mean in their uniform, ties to the top, shirts tucked in. There are lots of people who think that that sort of thing is silly, that that doesn't have anything to do with learning, um, that the way you look uh, doesn't reflect anything and just isn't important. Um, so, yeah, whereas I, being a small-c conservative, would disagree with that, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think it's um, a bit weird <laughs> in terms of people disagreeing just on manners and I even saw a tweet of yourself um from yourself about blowing a whistle um I think that's just crazy um and also about uniform um well, I think uniform's important yeah but I mean if I just give give you their point of view as 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 I see it uh with the whistle for instance they think uh using a whistle is to treat children like dogs and that somehow that's disrespectful I would say it's just very practical. Uh, there's some very loud trains next to our yard. Uh, when they're outside in the yard playing, the only way to get their attention is to use some kind of short, sharp sound like a whistle. Uh, and we blow it and then they all look around and we can then get them in their lineups to go inside. 
um, that is too also something. So I'm relatively conservative. I like an orderly lineup where the children are calm and quiet uh, before they go into the school. Uh, it causes fewer uh, issues. There are no fights. There are there's no pushing and shoving and no mean bullying type behavior. But there are some people who would say that that doesn't allow children to be free and to express themselves and they should. I saw somebody just now actually on Twitter, I saw somebody saying how at their school they stopped using a whistle because they just want the children to choose when they want to come in. And that means children, some children arrive early, some arrive late, but it's sort of up to them. And it's a much more free kind of experience. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in that. I, I'm much more into order and structure <laughs> because I'm a small C conservative. Um, yeah. And in terms of uniform, the people who would argue against it think that, uh, again, children should be free to choose. It's um, more liberating. A uniform would be stifling, just like the lineup is stifling. They feel that prevents the children from being creative um, and independently minded. I would argue that, in fact, it's in a predictable environment and a... Um, uh, an ordered environment that children are, that's where they feel safe enough yeah. to push the boat out and to be all the more creative and independently minded. Um, so obviously we just disagree. And the reason we disagree, well the, well, the reason why I think the way I do is because my many years in teaching have demonstrated to me that order is a good thing and that mm. uh, uniform. So why do I believe in uniform? Because um, you know, if you're, if your thing is the ties have to be to the top and your shirt's tucked in and you make a big deal about that, then the children try and rebel by pulling their ties down. <laughs> yeah. They don't then take it to the next level of trying to bring knives into school. And for people who work in schools where that would never happen, it doesn't occur to them that uh, poor behavior can be really very dangerous on a physical level uh, yeah. towards children. Yeah. And so I'm trying to keep my kids safe. So you make a, a big deal about the little things and the big yeah, things never become an issue. When people visit our school, they say things like, what do you do when a kid throws a chair? What do you do when they tell you to F off? What do you do when they march out of lessons? That just never happens at Michaela. And in the same way as you take care of the pennies, the pounds look after themselves. Wow. It's the same thing about behavior. You look after the tiny little things of behavior. You make a big deal over tiny things. You know, do I actually care whether their ties are to the top? No. <laughs> we just, yeah. you just do that to, to make sure that you're running a, um, a tight ship, really. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but, but I get that not everybody wants that and not all parents want that either, you know? So yeah. if there are schools that want to offer something different, that's fine. Um, but I just don't know why anybody would want to stop us from offering what we offer when our parents really do want that. <laughs> that leads on to me not very nicely into my next question, which is about, you know, the fact that you recognize other people's values and their beliefs and how they run the school. But whenever you implement something that works well for your community, that works well for, you know, your kids, your staff, but you, well, I see that you get to, you get a bit of backlash. So why would you say that those that have more liberal values, um, they seem to be more popular and amplified than those that have more conservative values in terms of education? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, 
I do think there are a lot more people in teaching with small C conservative values. They may not be big C conservatives, but neither am I. Uh, mm. But they can't say so out loud. And so yeah. they're quiet. So I do think there's a lot more of them than we realize. Yeah. Um, I do, however, think that, yes, I mean, I went to teaching and I was very left-leaning when I did. Um, I think teaching tends to attract left-leaning people because there's this sense of, uh, I want to make the world a better place. And yeah. conservatives, when it's not that conservatives don't want to make the world a better place, they do, but they tend to think um, in making the world a better place, I'm going to make me a better person. I'm going to make, I'm going to make sure I look after my family and my small little community. That's how conservatives think. Whereas uh, a left-leaning person might think I'm going to go and work often in the state. So uh, I'm going to work for the NHS. I'm going to work in social work. I'm going to work in the police. I'm going to work in teaching uh, just like I did. Um, mm -hmm. because that's how you make the world a better place. That's how it tends to be how a left-leaning person sort of sees giving back. So I went into teaching for that reason. And mm -hmm. then I found, you know, I, and I believe this 100%, that my left-leaning values at the time did, did not do as good a job for the kids as, as small C conservative values would do. Wow, so, wow. I changed. <laughs> I changed my mind about things. This is over many, many years, yeah. uh, you know, about 10, 12 years or so. I slowly changed my mind on things um, because um, small C conservatism is so uh, valuing what is traditional. Tradition is something that would be important to a small C conservative. So what is traditional in education? Um, teaching from the front of the classroom, having desks in rows, the teacher being an authority in the classroom and leading the learning rather than the children being in groups where they're facing each other and the learning is child-centered rather than teacher-centered with the teacher leading. Um, I believe very much in adults being in a position of authority uh, as opposed to the children uh, being in charge. Um, now, uh, a more left-leaning person would disagree with that. They would say something along the lines of uh, children and adults are, are, are equals and therefore whatever each one says is worth just the same as the other one. I don't believe so. I believe that adults should be in charge. And while that doesn't mean you don't listen to children, of course you do, um, the, the adult is in charge. And I... Um, I I think that it's our duty to support children in that way and love children. Uh, we look after them by helping them uh, to distinguish right from wrong, to learn, I don't know, the history of the Second World War, to learn their French verbs and so on. Um, and I think um, we're mistaken to think that uh, they teach us as much as we teach them. I don't think that's true. And it doesn't mean you can't learn anything from a child. If I ever want to know how to, like getting onto your podcast here, if I'd had one of the kids at school with me, I'd have got on in a minute, you know? <laughs> yeah. But so there's, there's loads of things that they can teach me. But actually yeah. when it comes to lots of stuff, in particular the subjects that we teach them, we ought to know more than them. And, um, and we shouldn't feel ashamed to say that and to not just say it, but... But, but value that and really um, 
be happy about that and excited about the fact that it's our job and duty to inspire children to get excited, just as excited about the things that we know uh, as we are excited about those things. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think you articulated all of that beautifully. And Woody Dan um, said that, and a lot of people can't understand that humans change their mind. Many people don't understand that an idea is just an idea and not um, the person. And I like the fact that you shared your journey in terms of your, your change of philosophy and the fact that you saw that um, leaning more left didn't work for the benefit of the kids. Hmm. Um, and now that you, you actually see that more conservative ways of teaching does work and I must say as well that a lot of schools have adopted um, the Michaela way. Um, you know, you've set the pace for um, education in the recent years. And a lot of, um, I see a lot of schools implementing your techniques, which is a testament, I think, in terms of your boldness and your vision and you being bold in that because I don't really feel that education now is a safe space for those that have conservative values to be bold in that. Um, and Gareth Williams has said, what would be the first thing that you would do as education secretary if you ever became education secretary? Um, well, for one, I'd never be a politician. I don't know how anyone does that. <laughs> <laughs> but if I were education secretary, I would want uh, to get a van. And I would want to put, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I promise you, I'd want to get a van and I'd want to get some people in this van who um, get the sort of things that I'm talking about, the kinds of values that I think work with kids. And I'd want to take them around the country and I'd want to drop one off and, you know, at different schools. And I'd want a kind of big campaign going on to try and persuade people, you know, win hearts and minds. So I've tried to do that um, at Michaela by opening up Michaela to visitors and we get 600 visitors a year, mainly teachers oh. from around the country. And as you say, lots of people have taken ideas and taken them back to their schools. And that is super exciting. Um, and I suppose I'd want to take some people and put them in schools just to kind of show what's possible. Um, uh, because I think, I think a lot of people are convinced when they see it. Uh, and so I always say the first step is trying to persuade people's minds so that they can get it up in their heads. They think, oh, I hadn't realized that actually kids could be happy in this kind of ordered environment. Wow, I didn't realize that kids could be this knowledgeable and this creative and independently minded and that actually they are more this way than I ever imagined possible and I've ever seen before. And so when they see that, that's when you kind of, you, you win over their minds and then you got to win over their hearts. And I think that, um, I think that requires kind of being in schools and seeing for them to see their own children change. You know, when I say their own, the children in their schools um, and to see the children in their care actually be different people, you know, in a matter of weeks or months, that the, the whole school changes. So that can be really powerful. And um, that's what I'd love to do. Uh, you know, and I know it sounds a bit weird, this idea of putting people in a van, but um, it's because... Um, you know, people can listen to conferences and they can listen to our podcast, your podcast here, and it's great and, it, and it's something good to do. 
But I find people are really convinced when they see it, where they can feel it, where they can talk to the kids, where they can, they can really, they see the change, you know, that's the sort of thing that convinced me over the years. You know, I, I'd take a class, I'd be teaching them in a way that was more of, um, you know, of a trendy lefty way, (laughs) child centered and so on. And then I became more conservative. And when I say more conservative, I don't mean big C conservative. I just mean more traditional, you know? And, um, and then I'd see my goodness, actually, these kids are learning so much more and they're so much more respectful and they're so much more engaged and inspired and motivated. And, um, and I mean, that's the number one thing. Those are the things that people talk about when they come to our school. I mean, on the one, it's true that our kids know lots, but that's not what people say. The thing that people are so amazed at is how resilient they are, how ambitious they are, how confident they are, how articulate they are, um, and how, you know, how they're able to talk about stuff and have differing opinions and and um, back up their ideas and so on. So um, the, the, the sort of stuff that... Uh, I find left-leaning people want for children, I would argue that those conservative values are more likely to deliver uh, Mm. the very stuff that they want. They just haven't necessarily seen it happen, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah, like my staff, you know, most of them when they join the school are all left-leaning. And then it's funny because over time they change their minds because they see it at school and they go, oh gosh, Actually, look at this, you know, and and in the same way as when I was a young teacher, I changed my mind. My staff tend to change their minds too. Wow, wow. And how did you become so bold in being that, you know, a small C conservative or having conservative values in it's a fear of education like this? How have you become so bold? Because I know some people yeah. are quite scared to be openly, you know, conservative. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a, a real indictment, I think, of our profession, you know, like the, people say we should be thinking outside the box, <laughs> that mm-hmm. we should think differently, that we should be brave and teaching children how to stand up for things that are unpopular. And yet as a profession, we close down a conversation mm-hmm. around this sort of thing. And I have spoken to so many uh, conservative minded uh, teachers who are terrified of speaking out and saying what they think. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's something for us all to think about in teaching, uh, when, when, when it's the case that we are silencing people and there are people actively, uh, try and silence me and think that it would be a good thing to silence me. You know, they don't, they don't actually believe in people having, um, different ideas and talking about them. I mean, I was just voicing what I thought the opposition think about my ideas. You know, it's good to have that dialogue, but, um, yeah. It, it, and, and, and that is a real shame. Why am I outspoken? Well, I wasn't for many years. Um, I was just like everybody else. I, I wrote a blog anonymously uh, with the various ideas I had because I didn't dare say them out loud. Um, and uh, it was because I went and gave this speech in 2010 at the Conservative Party conference. And um, I sort of came out at the conference. Um, I, um, if you Google the speech, um, you'll you'll see I say. And I, I, when I went there, I didn't give my full name. You'll see if you Google the speech, it just says Catherine. It doesn't give my last name. I didn't even say what role I had at school. I was a deputy head. I think they have me down as a head teacher because even though I wasn't, but they didn't know what to call me because I wouldn't say. And um, 
I was a bit naive because I suppose I thought if I don't tell them my name, then they won't find out who I am. And that was a bit dumb. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I was just I was scared. And and then and, and in the speech, I say at the last election, I voted conservative. And this was me sort of coming out and saying, oh, my goodness, this is what I've done. And it was funny because um, a few months later when I saw a friend of mine and um, she and I met at the Ritzy, the cinema um, in Brixton, and Mm -hmm. we sat in the cafe and she kind of leaned forward and she said, Catherine, I have something to tell you. I said, what? She said, at the last election, I voted conservative too. (laughs) Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And it was so funny because all these people are living in fear and they don't dare say, you know, I mean, it's so crazy. So, um, yeah. yeah, so once I'd come out, you see, and then, of course, I ended up without a job and I was told I'd never work in teaching again and I was cancelled. Uh, you know, that was a little bit before cancelling became a big yeah, thing. I was essentially yeah. cancelled. And, um, and once you've been cancelled, then you kind of, well, that's it. You're like, you're already out there. So, wow. So, and then I built my, you know, I set up my own school and whatever. And so I've just, since then, I've just always spoken out and said what I think. Because I think, I feel like it's my duty. Remember we said about being a small C conservative and I believe in duty. I feel like it's my duty because so many other people can't speak out. Um, and I feel like I can and I ought to because it's important for dialogue to be open. It's important for these ideas to be heard. They're especially important when I see how much good they do for children, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to spread the word and um, and you would be amazed. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who hate me, but there's a lot of people who believe in this stuff. They just can't say mm-hmm. it out loud. Yeah, and I think just looking at, your story, because I remember reading your story in um, Hailey Hughes's book about um, humans in the classroom and your upbringing and how, you know, in secondary school times, you know, you were bullied and now seeing how bold you are now, I think this that's just an inspiration for me personally, um, because yeah, I know a few people that are scared about coming out conservative. So um, it, it's a real thing and it's really sad that it's happening in this profession. Mm. Um, yeah. So my next. Uh, yeah. yeah. You sorry. are right. Just to say on mm. that, it's true. When I was at school, I was very shy and awkward and yeah, would I got bullied and it was awful. Um, I was not the person I am right now. <laughs> not at all. So it is, um, extraordinary really when you think how life can be and how uh you know you can change and and um and that's what's so exciting in being a teacher is that we have such we have it's such a privilege to be able to help children and love them and support them and um into being you know into growing up and it's just it's it's a wonderful thing really i mean i i think being being a teacher is the best job in the world (laughs) I do too. And then my last question um, to pose to you is how can leaders become better in leadership? Because obviously you're a phenomenal leader. You've got the results to show. You've got the culture to, um, you know, showcase your, the, that your values and your vision, it actually works and you live that out. So how can leaders be better at leading? Yeah. I and mean, people always talk about a vision and, um, 
And it's hard, you know, it's, it's really interesting when I'm trying to teach leadership and what that means. But you do need to have a clear vision in mind of what you'd like to have, you know, so you've got to be able to imagine it. And then this is the most important bit. The details need to fit with the vision. So every time you make any tiny decision, every time you do anything, it has to be in line with the overall vision that you've got. And you must never make decisions lightly or brush things aside. Every tiny detail it, you need to be on top of and you need to think, you know, is that contributing to my overall vision? Um, and I mean, that, that, yeah, that's in a nutshell. I mean, you then need to get staff on board with that vision. Everybody needs to be able to articulate what that vision is. Everybody mm. needs to know the details as well. And they need to know their part because everybody has a different part to play in achieving that vision. Everybody needs to be really clear on what their part is. Uh, because everybody, you're not going to know everybody else's part. You need to know your part. And then mm. everybody needs to be motivated to make sure they uh, deliver on delivering their part, you know? And um, yeah, if you can do that, then you'll achieve the vision. <laughs> um, but I, it is hard, you know, it's, it's really hard and it's constant. It needs constant uh, massaging and supporting, you know, for you to get towards that vision you're constantly pushing, constantly working at that, you know, um, and constantly changing your mind about stuff, always being flexible. Um, but one thing I've kind of realized, one way of um, articulating that that's come to my mind recently is that you want to have your goal yeah. and your goal is out there and you know where that is, but the route to getting to that goal may change. And you've got to be always flexible about those changes and about the details. And that's what I mean. Every time you're making a decision, it might take you right, then left, then right. Oh, you thought you were going to go right oh, again, but now you're going to go left. But your goal doesn't move. You've always got the goal. That's steadfast. It's the route that you take to get there that might change along the way. Wow. Wow. Inspirational. That is so true. And um, just finally, before you go, I don't want to keep you any longer, but um, what misconception would you like to like everybody when they think of you know yourself they have a picture in their head you know you're coined for being the strictest um head teacher in the world I think um or the country. <laughs> so what misconception would you like to deal with like because some people have different ideas I think you know you're phenomenal you're like a, a big massive role model to me whereas other people might think differently but what misconception would you kind of address about yourself yeah it's funny people often say things like gosh I thought you were going to be really scary um I'm not scary at all <laughs> yeah. um and they also think I mean it's funny because I would have to be some kind of mad genius to have uh, created my school just from the beginning in 2014 and for it to be exactly the same in 2014 as it is now and for all of those ideas to have come out of my head it I would have to be some kind of mad genius and I'm not I'm actually perfectly ordinary uh mm. my school is our school and it's come from a whole bunch of different people with different ideas yeah. and the thing is it's a result of me listening to people and mm -hmm. getting tons of feedback. I get so much feedback from staff on so many things. And they are the ones who are constantly 
moving the school forward and we, we are changing the school for the better all the time. So I think because I'm quite forthright when I'm talking about stuff, people think, right, she, she's just, she just thinks she's right and she just goes with whatever. When in fact, if that were the case, there's no way we'd have the school we've got because I couldn't have come up with all those ideas on my own. Wow, <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. So it's, it's really, it's an amalgamation of all these different ideas. There's some that we've taken directly from other schools, some that we've uh, adapted from other schools, um, some, you know, ideas from uh, people who have worked with us, who have moved on and gone somewhere else, you know, some of uh, the staff were there right now. There will have been decisions today that we'll have made to say, well, you know what, let's try this instead. And then we'll do something and then we might change again. Um, and it, it's, it's about being flexible. It's what I said. You have your aim, you have your vision, that is steadfast. But then the direction in which you go, it will change. Um, yeah. And that, is make, that makes it all the more likely uh, that you will achieve your aim, you know? Uh, you've got to be flexible and you've got to listen and you've got to seek out feedback. And you've got to be confident enough to value that feedback. Um, even when it's from somebody you don't like, you know, like, Somebody, wow. I don't know, on Twitter sometimes, somebody <laughs> says something, I think, oh, you know, I don't like them, but actually they made a good point, you know, and then um, yeah. you go off and adapt accordingly. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much, um, Catherine. You've been an amazing guest. I've really enjoyed this show. I think it's a topic that isn't really discussed a lot um, on social media platforms. Um, and hopefully I've provided a safe space whereby if people do hold conservative values or are conservative, they felt seen, heard, um, and also valued um, through today's show. So thank you so much, Catherine, for your time. Big thank you to Gareth as well. He's a huge fan of yourself. Um, Catherine, he loves you. Um, he's well, I heard him. I heard some of him earlier. He was doing a great job. So oh. hello to Gareth. Hopefully you're still here, Gareth. So hopefully you got you 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 heard that. But yeah, thank you so much to my guests. Thank you to those that are list that have listened live and those that will listen back. We hope you have a lovely evening, and hopefully I'll be back in about um next week or the week after. I'm not too sure yet. Um. So yeah, thank you everybody. Bye. Good night. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.